0: welcome to another episode of somewhere the vulture this is Tim and I am with John O'Diener. appreciate you for uh, taking some time out hey thanks for having me I appreciate it so it seems that we probably got quite a bit in common because looking and re- doing a little research uh, you're a musician and uh, also a writer now you're doing uh, writing for comics so uh, we should have plenty to talk about
1: yeah I was gonna say, I'd, I'd be worried if we didn't you know <laughs> Like So do you listen to any music? No.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, well, uh, then uh, this is going to be a short conversation. (laughs) So uh, for those listening, uh, we are going to be talking, the bulk of what we're going to be talking about, is about uh, the Inevitables. A lot to cover. You have a very impressive team. On this book in particular, the Kickstarter is currently going strong. You guys have already met goal with, uh, at the time of recording, 15 days left. I think that's what it is on your Kickstarter. Uh,
1: yep, yep, 15 days left.
0: For those familiar with Vinny uh, from Less Than Jake, uh, he is one of the creators on this book. It is the marriage of uh, two of the things that uh, you are quite familiar with comics and music. So just for a second, man. Tell me how it got to you, because I'm sure that's a that's a good story.
1: Yeah, it's (laughs) it's like the most weird story ever. So it was Christmas Day and I'm uh, hanging out with my family and at like 9 p.m. I get a text message and it's from Vinny. Now, backstory with Vinny and I's relationship uh, years ago, less than Jake, took out my old band, The Swellers. uh, I think it was like 2008 or something like that. And they were one of the first bands that really like took us under their wing. And, uh, over time, you know, I, I struck up a friendship with him because I'm a huge, um, music business fan. Right. In addition to, uh, just being, you know, a comp- like there, there are a lot of people that I'm in a band. This is all I do, uh, <laughs> with me. I have like 50 other things and I started kind of falling in love with that part of it. Um, So I got that text message. And again, this is, you know, 12 years later on Christmas. So I'm like, Oh, whatever this is, is big because either Vinny is just completely unaware of holidays (laughs) or, you know, and uh, in my head, I'm like, wait, he left less than Jake. I'm like, Does he want me to be the drummer of less than Jake? I'm like, Whoa. (laughs) And I'm like, also, why would Vinny be hitting me up? That's weird. So, you know, in my typical way, uh, I have wonderful anxiety I deal with. So it's either like, let me think of the best case or the worst case scenario. Um, and then a few days later we got on the phone, he, and he pitched the whole thing to me and he's like, I saw one of your Facebook posts where you were talking about how you wanted to do creative stuff. You're breaking into comics. You've been hustling like crazy. And I figured, Hey we want to expand this, uh, world we're building called the Inevitables. And we would love for you to write the comic for it. And I was like, Whoa. Okay. Yeah. That, and now it's not just like, Hey, here's a little passion project. It's like, it's connected to a very serious, uh, I I consider this like a huge, uh, muscle car. And I'm just like (laughs) a guy like holding on it with a skateboard, like, all right, here we go. Um, (laughs) So yeah, so it it started with a text message and then the next few months and like predating COVID, uh, it was just like calls like, Hey, I'm working on these songs. Uh, it's loosely about this topic. What would you do in a story about that? And, you know, it's kind of cool because just our normal conversation, like spawned all these amazing ideas. And then I was like, because my brain is just going at like a million miles a second, I'm like okay, uh, what if we do this, this, and this, and we have this kind of team up and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, cool. And then Vinny and Obi Fernandez, who uh, he played in the band Westbound Train, they're super rad too. Uh, Him and Vinny were like the masterminds of the whole operation on there. And they also brought in Alex from Big D and the Kids Table. And then on comic side, I was like the only person so far. So a lot of it was developing it to begin with. And then it was like, hey, who do you want to bring in? So my friend Liana Kangas is like one of my first real friends in comics. Uh, And I also always value, you know, especially early friendships, too, when like you're all growing together Mm -hmm. and now she's just crushing it. Uh, Oh, yeah.
0: I was pretty excited. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was pretty excited because I I follow her uh, on social media and I was like it's really great when you start to talk to people and you start reading the list of names and, and they're just familiar. I was like, yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. And and I was like,
0: I had this like nice emotional
1: moment with her the other day where I was like, you know what? It's so cool that we're doing this together after you, like we worked on a pitch a few years ago that was like attached to something else like kind of both like brought onto it or whatever. And that didn't mm-hmm. end up going anywhere, but we, you know, kept in touch ever since. And there was this, again, like a music and comics crossover thing. Um, And then she brought me into this, uh, we have like a Twitter DM group. It's called partners and it's like (laughs) a group of, I believe now it's like 15 like comic creators or comic adjacent people. And ever since the beginning of COVID, all of us have been like on Google hangouts, doing like video calls and like keeping each other company and motivating each other or, you know, ripping on each other. And like, I thought about all of the people I met just through that. So. Uh, Fabian Lele, he did the layouts for this. So through that group, you know, we brought him on to do that. And then, uh, Cardinal Ray, which is one of Liana's friends from working on previous stuff. Uh, she's doing the lettering. So it's like, it went from me guy who's like done some like super DIY comics to, oh, this is the team now. And we have a budget because Kickstarter. So yeah, it went from like zero to a million in a few months.
0: That's Awesome but i mean so you were obviously like you said with the swellers, as you were a drummer and so when did writing kind of come into play was that something that was part of you uh, just all along or is it something that like you said with developing a you know your, your your interests in different parts of of the music industry is that something that kind of kind of sh- got shaped by that interest
1: so it Like most things in my life, I always consider myself like a cosmic Larry David, where I kind of just like (laughs) stumble through awkward situations, like, oh, this is pretty cool. I guess it worked out. Uh, So early on, uh, when my band was first starting to tour, it was when MySpace was like the thing. And uh, on MySpace. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) The the tight pants. Um, So I was. Also, fortunately, I'll clarify, I was never a tight pant wearer until later <laughs> on when I became super punk rock. Thank you very much. Uh, but uh, in the blog section on MySpace, I would like post photos from our tours and write, "This is what we did this day." I didn't realize that that was like turning into like real writing. So it started kind of curating a little fan base, and people would always look forward to like the tour update. That's just what I called it. Then Tumblr came out. I started, you know, doing stuff on there. And it was, again, like personal blogs, just like me, like thinking about life, because when I'm sitting in a van for eight hours a day driving through the desert, like you got to do something to, you know, process all of that information (laughs) that's going through your head, especially when you get to play for like 20 minutes a night and then you load all your stuff and you sleep on a stranger's floor, etc. So I started personally blogging all this stuff. A friend reached out from a site called Property of Zach, uh, and he was like, hey, do you want to do a guest spot for this? And I was like, yeah, sure. And my, I was so used to getting interviewed by people. All I could think about was, man, I would ask different questions. I would do this and I would do that. And that led to me getting uh, asked by my friend who worked for Noisy. He was an editor, which is a, a music section from Vice. Right. And it was like, hey, do you want to do... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I always forget this every single time. <laughs> Uh, it's like a weekly reoccurring thing Just Can you like tell? A column? A writer? column. There you go. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know how I haven't had enough coffee, uh, that. So, <laughs> um, so he asked me to do like this weekly column. So I started doing that and then alternative press hit me up and was like, wait, you want to write for us? Let seriously, let us know. Then I started writing for alternative. Pre- so I started like falling into like paid writing gigs. And then that turned into like local real journalism, like doing stuff about, I'm based in Flint, Michigan. So it was like, you know, Flint journalism stuff. Uh, But along the way, I've been making more contacts in music, contacts in writing. And then I started realizing like, I wish I could write, like, how do I extend the visual identity of a band where like we have our t-shirts, we have our album, it's concept with the lyrics and the artwork. And I'm like, I think I'm just writing comics. And I think that's the part I like the most out of all this, you know? Uh, And I started kind of thinking it that way. So I would hit up people that were in music world and be like, Hey, you've crossed over into comics. Like, what did you do? Like my friend, Ben Sears, he did uh, my band, the swellers last album, the light under closed doors. And it's like, essentially like a comic, like there's a character and inside there's like a fold out thing with several panels. And that was like my first, like little taste of it. And then he later went on to do a bunch of rad stuff for Koyama Press. Um, nice. He even did uh, character designs for The Midnight Gospel, which is on Netflix now. Yeah, very nice. So, like, it, that's another one of those music crossovers where I'm like watching this stuff happen, and I'm like, I think these people are just falling in love with this part of it, the story side. So I started writing some short stories, and then I was finally like, you know what? I read comics. I need to just give it a shot. So, uh, the the quick version is. I found a group of my friends that were always saying like, man, I wish I could do a comics. I wish I could do this. And I got five writers, five artists. Uh, one of the writers being myself, I teamed everyone up and I said, Hey, the Flint water crisis is going on. Let's do a charity comic. I'll get advertisers, um, or advertisements from local companies that'll pay for the printing of this. And then we sell this and make money and all of us dedicate our time. Is everyone cool with that? And everyone was like, yeah, cool. So I project managed this thing and I was like a comic editor for the first time without having ever done that in my life. Um, and then one of our creators, L they work at uh source point press and deep water. That's, that's
0: exactly what I was getting ready to say. Uh, so yep. that came from uh snowbird and Sor- uh source point. And I've had uh, the, the fantastic opportunity to interview quite a few folks from over there really enjoy their work.
1: Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And it's cool because like, There's like right under everyone's nose, like in their state, like SourcePoint is based an hour away from me. And it's like, they have so many rad people working there. Uh, they gave us this amazing opportunity for national distribution. So all of us again, in the like cosmic Larry David way went from like, we're going to give something a shot. Oh, it's getting, we're in comic shops. It's getting published. (laughs) Exactly. Right. So yeah. So once I did that, I was just like, I only want to do this. Like, obviously I need to like make a living elsewhere for the time being. It's the same with music, you know, like you don't just do music for a living. You have a job and do it. So I was like, if I can write for a living and then I could write comics for happiness, that's like the perfect balance
0: for me. That's awesome. It's been very satisfying to talk to people on this podcast because I don't know. It's just, you know, it seemed really fortuitous. I've ran into a lot of people that have uh, dabbled in so many different areas of creativity. And I think that you hit on it really well. You know, being a musician and a songwriter, songwriting and storytelling that way is such a, a visual and emotional you know, there's that that aspect to it I think it translates very well and is very appealing when you come to the art and uh, the prose part of comics because like you said you know you're always dealing with art when you're doing in the music world with just graphics and logos and uh, design on album covers and all that I think you know and if you if you look at a lot of of comic book artists. They're often, you know, they cite who they listen to when they work and all that. So it's just a very good marriage. And I think that it's great that, uh, you know, you landed into that opportunity to kind of bridge all those things together. I'm sure that's satisfying.
1: Yeah. And like, uh, when you do music, were you like, did you do lyrics as well?
0: I was the, yeah, I was the, the main song. I wrote all the songs and lyricist and vocalist and, uh, played like rhythm guitar.
1: Okay, so like with that, you know, like every lyricist has to deal with, am I writing about myself? Am I writing a story about someone else? And do I make this relatable or do I make this specific to me, but somehow use the melody to like get people to pay attention? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So one thing that I like never thought about was storytelling songwriting. So once in a while I would like get out of my own head and it was 10 times easier to write because it was like there weren't these personal emotional stakes. It was just like, oh, I could just connect these dots that would naturally happen, but Mm. I could pull from personal experience. Then I was like, I am just describing writing comics, like, (laughs) you know, like, and you could create characters and have different voices and you're not trapped in like, all right, so I have to write this album. I have to do this, but it has to be like, No, you could just have real conversations and you could have these big beats, which would be like, let's say the chorus of your comic. And then the whole album is your arc and you have several albums. So that makes your whole series, you know? Mm -hmm. So like once I started thinking that way, I'm like, it's so cool collaborating with other people. And, you know, again, you being a rhythm guitarist, right? Like out of nowhere, when like a lead guitarist does a thing or a drummer does a thing, you're like, my brain wouldn't have done that. But that's (laughs) sweet that you did, you know? Right. So like, that's, that's part of that marriage where it's like, you have to have collaboration. And without that, you know, you're kind of just like being a one trick pony.
0: Exactly. You know, they say, uh, when, you know, it takes a village to raise kids, but I feel like, you know, was it? Stephen King called it your darlings and you got, it's, you're giving birth to something, you're putting something into the world. So there is this, uh, uh, very uh, parental feeling that you that you feel with the things that you produce. And being part of a community where you develop trust and then you start to riff off each other just like you know when you're playing a song. You know th- finding those pockets where everyone can deliver is, is, is super cool. And just in the podcasting uh, with what I'm doing, you know you, you said Cardinal Ray. Well, Cardinal Ray was the letterer on uh, Erica Schultz. Comic Forgotten Home. Jazlyn, which hooked us up, has mm-hmm. ju- just posted uh, a picture of the tattoo on her arm from Forgotten Home. So once again, you know, just that collaborative spirit and how things just start to web and network together. You know, storytelling uh, is just the same way. And when I interviewed Erica a couple months ago, the one thing that she said that really stuck out to me was when that you're writing... Uh, that it becomes uh, look like a emotionally autobiographical, which I thought that was a, uh, was a really good way to put it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like the, another thing to touch on based on what you just said, like one of my favorite things about comics and I've only been in it for like a few years now is when you finally find like a community, everyone is interconnected in such a cool way um, because, you know, on an individual project, you have several people, but all of those people have also all worked on other things. Mm-hmm. And by, you know, not being a sucky person, like, <laughs> you know, you can very easily access these other webs of really cool groups. Right. Mm-hmm. So like when I got to meet Jaslyn, like through Liana, cause, uh, again, you know, th- there's like 50 connections for everything. So, right. um, I was putting on, an event in Flint and it was going to be all Michigan comic creators. And that was going to be like comics, coffee and conversation. And I was going to host this panel. We we're going to donate a ton of like everyone's old comics to, um, this place SBEV, uh, and they like help a bunch of children and stuff. So we're like, let's get, you know, uh, YA and like all ages comics for these kids. Right. And I was super stoked to do it. Then COVID hit and I had to hit up everyone and be like, hey, this isn't happening anymore. It's really cool that all of this was actually going to come together and work, (laughs) and it was going to be rad, and we're going to do stuff for people, but now we can't. And everyone in the world felt that at the exact same time. Um, So Liana or someone mentioned like, hey, you should do like a Zoom version of that or some kind of online thing. And I'm like, yeah, but it seems like a lot of work. And again, this is a few months ago, which is 10 years ago now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I got on the call with her and Jaslyn and then Jaslyn just starts like every time she opened her mouth, it was this like sage like stuff. And I'm like, oh, you get it. Like you get everything. This is cool. (laughs) And then, you know, just keeping in touch with her like, you know, we wanted like I wanted to work with her ever since I met her. So, you know, the fact that we get to with the Inevitables is super rad. Um, And kind of going back when you talked about the autobiographical thing, like another lyric question I posit to you is do you ever just try and write like free verse stuff and then you go, oh, I didn't know that was in there?
0: Oh, definitely. It's very... Uh, I'm trying to think the word. My brain's... I know the It's feeling. very... Re- <laughs> well, it's very revealing when you just... You know, what is it? I was trying to think. I heard a very good quote one time. And they said, it like, writer's block... Is just self-editing, because you want to reveal some deep dark secret, or maybe it's an, you're trying to tap into some type of absolute truth. You're trying to reach people and and get to them across the page or through the song that you you constrain and you kind of bottleneck yourself. But when you allow yourself the ability to just just kind of just open up and not really turn your brain off, but make it more of a conduit than it is kind of like a filter, you that's when you really start to just like reveal things not only to other people but for yourself. So I can completely relate. Yeah,
1: and I, I feel like um again, similar to music, the more you add to your arsenal, like your own brain's arsenal of things, um, uh, it does so much to allow you to be able to explore more free. So mm-hmm. Uh, like the the last album my band Baggage did, uh, we worked with my friend Mark Hudson, who's done like Records for Against Me, oh, Taking my. Back Sunday, like mm-hmm. all this wild stuff. And all of those bands kept going back to him because he has this ability to pull from them and get them outside of themselves. Uh, and one thing he would do with me all the time, he would be like, you need to learn more things so you're able to pull more out. So like in that band i'm playing bass and singing which is a total departure from just playing drums at the back of a stage right mm-hmm. so like i started trying to think about that way in comics where i'm like the more i read about the world the more i talk to people and the more i digest the more i'm adding to my own arsenal of creativity absolutely and and if and if you like it's the whole like you know write what you know thing uh, i believe you should write what you know plus like you should be trying to create this ever expanding thing. But the second you talk about something you're not familiar with and someone just rips it apart, (laughs) then it's just like super whack, you know, like you could, like I could smell BS a mile away. And, you know, uh, I, I, in my comics, I try and do a thing too, where there's a scene in the inevitables and Fabian, when he was doing layouts was like, Hey, heads up, you have someone ironing a suit jacket. (laughs) And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you don't do that. I'm like, I've done that. And he's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. I'm stupid. I wear like shorts all the time. <laughs> like, and, and, and like, it's one of those things where, you know, all of these like normal life things start coming into play. And then you talk to editors, you talk to people that are collaborating with you and they start like pointing out these different outlooks or these different literal facts of reality. And you start going, Oh, okay. So the second you learn that new thing, you expand your world just a little bit, right? So uh like with the inevitables for example, uh Obi has a religious background. I had a I was religious because I knew my parents would give me money if I went to you know these certain like <laughs> religious ceremony things right. or whatever. Um so like Obi started like dropping some knowledge about this random stuff and I'm like that's super interesting. So there's a moment uh there's a religious couple in the story and like without Obi bringing some ideas up, I wouldn't have known what to do. Right. Like I would have just seemed like a a religious poser, if you will. (laughs) Um, So, you know, so that's another thing where it's like if you're not doing your research about life and the things you're writing about, then you're essentially just kind of telling lies and like stories in the like in themselves are lies. You know, like Neil Gaiman says a million times in his master class. Yeah, that's right. I watched it. There you Um, go. Stories are lies. Um, <laughs> actually, that just sounds like Snape. Um, but <laughs> but like it, it's one of those things where I I try and know enough about the world and ground things enough to where it's not like so over my head that I'm just making up laws of physics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And but that's what appeals to me. Like if I'm having a conversation with someone, like we're talking right now, you're not like saying way over my head, mind blowing verbs and like, you know, like, and random things where I'm just like, I need to squint and try and concentrate and like nod, (laughs) like I understand, you know, like, like I, I just don't really relate to that stuff. So if I'm reading my brain just starts slowing down where it's like, yo, this is like super smart. You sure you want to do this right now? (laughs) And, And not in the sense of being dumb, but like, I feel like the way I approach things is like, how do I make them relatable on a street level, on a ground level? But then throw in like really life size wrenches into those gears, and that's how for me cool comics come out.
0: Yeah, it's a very hard balance I would imagine when it comes to uh, when writing because you know I've I've never written anything uh, to this degree. You know, just most you know songs are usually uh, pretty uh, pretty basic as far as you know when your articulation and stuff like that. But you know, making something. You, you you want to tap into some type of universality, but at the same time you you know you want it to be original and you want it to be your voice. So I can, I think that I would, uh, I would probably struggle quite a bit in that realm of okay, well I don't want to water this down, but at the same time I do want it to be relatable. I su- I'm sure that is a, a hard balance to to strike because you you want. You, you want it to be authentic
1: yeah and like i remember uh so tom king's run of vision is yeah, like one of my all-time favorite great comics. Stuff, yeah and like i i was getting heavy into comics once i read that and uh it, it's like again my like trajectory into comic world is very strange because like As a kid, I watched all the cartoons, like Mm -hmm. animated series for Batman, Spider-Man, all that stuff. And like I I was my main thing was action figures. So like I had like hundreds of every single thing. And then my friend told me about Spawn. And then I was like, (laughs) Spawn's a comic. And I'm like, that's reading. That's weird. And then I'm like, oh, wait, but it's a bunch of sweet illustrations. So like I was like 90s Spawn kid because my friend's older brother was stoked on like Spawn and Metallica and stuff like the quintessential goth, you know, (laughs) right Uh so I was like, this is rad. And I got into punk rock and then I was like, actually, I just like music because my mom sold all my toys in a garage sale. <laughs> so now I just am only going to focus on music. But like all of that, like with the the popularity of like the Marvel films and all that kind of stuff, like I had all of these moments that were kind of like teasing me to come back into like nerd world. And don't get me wrong. I've always been a nerd, but like diving full into like other mediums outside of just music and stuff, you know, um, and once I started doing that again, you know, Tom King's vision was like I, I randomly just got like a Spider-Man versus Deadpool comic. And that was the f- issue number one was in the back. And I was like, what is this? And I was like, this is like heavy <laughs> stuff. So uh, one of the things that Tom King said in there was because vision speaks so proper, uh, he like regretted that he had like one grammatical error in his like dialogue or something like that. Mm-hmm. And like people ripped him apart. And I was like, this dude was in the CIA. Like, leave him alone. (laughs) Uh, Mine's like, I didn't go to college, but I toured. So, like, you know, that's the other intimidating thing where it's like if you are taking on a character that has these like these structures for them already, you know, Mm -hmm. like the second you mess that up, like people are going to get real pissed
0: off. Yeah, it's it's a daunting thing, especially with the internet and social media and fan bases and how it's once again, you know, my hat's off to you for, you know, crossing over into that realm and, 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 and hitting it full force because, you know, it is a completely different uh, reaction that you get uh, from the music world versus uh you know, I, I would I would imagine that uh, him getting the blowback on a grammatical error is probably about the same as uh, when musicians change styles. You know, like when like all of a sudden there's these group of people that are just like, no, you know, they kind of rebel against it. You know, uh, it's yeah. strange for sure to uh, to deal with that.
1: Well, it's, it's like the. What's the word? I'm, like it, it's like enabling imposter syndrome to happen oh, right? <laughs> very,
0: very much. So yeah, and, and that, like that's a good way to any, put it.
1: Like anyone who's creative has a dose of it. And then when someone calls it out, you're like, Ooh, like, uh, <laughs> and, and you know, it, it's a, a finished thing. So I could talk about it now, but, um, there is a, like I've been a writer for like over 10 years and there was a publisher in my area. And, uh, when I was between jobs, I was like, I'm going to apply for the editing, the managing editor job because like I'm awesome at project management working with all this stuff or whatever and then I got like uh, I like did like two articles in the meantime while I was waiting for them and then they're like very politely hey it was super awesome getting to know you and blah 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 unfortunately you didn't do very well on the editing test uh, <laughs> I think we're gonna go in another direct and like they started like phrasing it like hey we're you know like it was really tough but I was like no they're not saying that they just... <laughs> Cause like my thing was, I was like, fake it till you make it, just go for it. And I've written enough, but then I'm like, that's why editors are editors. Cause they get it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have in comics, if you have good ones attached to your projects, they're the ones that catch that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, they do like the legwork when, you know, us writers are just like gallivanting about like everything's in my brain. It's fine. Uh, so yeah, it, it It's interesting because you have people keep you in check where like a record producer, you know, if you allow yourself to work with one, we'll do that. Same in comics. You have editors that are that. Um, And then like editors also are the A&R people. So they're the ones that are like signing the bands, a.k.a. the comic creators, you know. So like it, it is interesting thinking of it that way, too, because there are so many parallels. But then there's a lot of added weight when it comes to comics where it's like here's an album this can, let's say it's 40 minutes long, like a standard full length. Also you can listen to it forever. <laughs> or here's a single issue of a comic that costs about three to five thousand dollars total to make with everything. Um, you also take 10 minutes to read it. So you know, the like structurally all of these things are similar, but it's such a hard medium, to make work and make work well if you don't have the right people behind it.
0: Oh, yeah. If you don't have those tools in your toolbox, it's it's you're kind of doomed. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And, you know, fortunately, we had like the Kickstarter thing. So that was like for the Inevitables, it was like the sure shot of we hit every goal along the way. And keep in mind, too, like it's not just a comic. There's also an album involved. So it's, you know, I have my comic universe fighting for it. And then Vinny has his music universe fighting for it, which is like members of less than Jake, real big fish, big D and the kids table, the interrupters nightmares for a week, Westbound train. Uh, like it's, it's like a super group. It's a, a literal ska super group. And then in my mind, I have this cool like underdog comic super group. Right. <laughs> so uh, we, we have the luxury of kind of like piggybacking off of each other. And then now we know, A, it's all going to get made. It's for sure. And then at least on my end, the majority of the work is like done. Like I got, I got layouts. I finished my script. I did all this stuff, you know? Mm. Um, so now it's just push, 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 promote, promote, promote. So, you know, fortunately for people like you doing this stuff for other creators, we really appreciate it.
0: You know, it's still to this day when I... Released my uh, first album, you know, publicity, uh, all of those things that, you know, you were just naming all these different types of people that there are in the music industry that, you know, if you are releasing something, uh, you know, with a studio, uh, you have all these pieces or tools in that toolbox uh, that you can draw from. It was a very, very, very steep learning curve to release an independent album and to not have any of those things in place, and to struggle because you know you may you know these things, especially for in the indie world, they're labors of love. You know you're doing every you're saving every penny, you're doing everything you can to make this thing happen, and then once you make it happen, you realize, oh there's a lot more to do after that. So, you know, as soon as you kind of feel like that, you know, you can't rest on your laurels when you complete this thing because there's all of these other aspects. And I was completely, you know, uh, drowning in all that. So one of the things that really drew me back into the podcast world post that was like, you know, I want to be able in any way, shape, or form to give people that are doing that thing that I had just finished doing and and, and struggling and, and working the nine to fives or working two jobs and making these labors of love, if I can get a hold of them, talk to them, let them be able to give some background to for people to hear, you know, the love that is involved at the level that, you know, you're just giving it every bit of everything that you have. I mean, I just, I just had to do it. I was like, I got to get back in here. I got to talk to people. And if I can just steer people in the direction of something that, uh, people that care are making and they're making it because they just want it to be good, then, you know, I've kind of, you know, my work is done at the end of the day.
1: Well, and again, thank you for, (laughs) for doing that. Like, I feel like part of, you know, being in a community and a creative community, um, it's already hard enough to get people to a, listen to anything or take time to do whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a, a major lesson I learned, and again, it's another music anecdote, but you know, it applies to all creatives and like their definition of success. Um, so I was fortunate to tour with a band called only crime. Uh, my old band was on tour with them and the drummer of only crime is the drummer of the descendants and black flag. Ah, and like, that's awesome. This legendary dude. And like, uh, later down the road we got to record with him and it was a whole thing. But the moment I knew I had to like creatively work with this guy, aside from just like being a fanboy my whole life, um, we played in Baltimore and I love that. I remember all these details still. It was like 2008 (laughs) or 2007. And, um, the band of Wilhelm scream was also on the tour and they were headlining the show. And they were always this like massive underdog in, uh, just punk rock music. So they were like getting ready to play and the crowd. And when I say crowd, I mean like 30 people in a room that fits like a (laughs) hundred or something. Right. But that's what DIY touring was. Like that's what punk rock is, you know, like when descendants were like their biggest before they first broke up, like not that many people even knew who they were, but like, at the time, if there was a punk rock thing, it was like a big deal eventually to a lot of people. So, um, Wilhelm scream is getting ready to play. And I like walk up to like joke and do some like, you know, goofy fart joke or some bit like the classic me stuff. Cause I'm a super serious guy. <laughs> and before I could like open my mouth, I see all of them like standing up, like nodding and talking to Bill. And I'm like, Oh, he's saying some profound stuff. I got to pay attention. And what I caught. And I'll always remember it. It was him going, so do you see how many people are out there in the crowd right now? You know, what, 2030 and we're in the middle of a month long tour. You have to remember that every single one of those people has a life and they could have stayed at home and they could have watched reruns of Seinfeld. They could have just ate their dinner or even decided to go to the show and then changed their mind and come back. But every single one of those people took time out of their day to pay attention to something that you made and something that you love. And you always have to remember that because that's what making stuff is about. And I like got all teary eyed and I'm just like, I'm just going to back away and pretend I wasn't here for this. (laughs) And like, like that, that stuck with me so much where everyone is so, uh, they use like success as a crutch, but what it really should be is this ever evolving, thing that you shouldn't necessarily care about, you know, like you getting to have a podcast and talk to people, that's success. Like you have the thing that a lot of people wish they can do and don't get to do. Right. Like I have played in bands and I always was like, man, I wish I was in an arena sized band or whatever. I'm like, no, I get to go. I got to go on tour and most bands don't get to leave their town. You know, the grass is always greener, but if you're not living while you're in it, that's not living.
0: Right. I heard it said one time and I can't remember who said it, but that success was a lifestyle, not a destination. So the day to day thing, if you're if your head's in it and you are aware enough to enjoy it while you're in it, you know, you don't want to look back and go, Oh, well, I was successful. You want to look back and go, Man, you know, every day I, I you know, I live to the fullest and and that is success. I completely agree.
1: Yeah. It, you know, it, it's a it's a heavy thing to kind of remove yourself from and like look as an outsider because all of us get like sucked up in our lives. We're all busy with work, family, all that stuff. But like th- those moments, you have to remember that they matter. Like if the, there's a world pandemic and I open a comic and I could just enjoy myself and be somewhere else for, you know, 10 minutes or let's say I'm reading more, you know, a few hours. Like that stuff is important. That stuff saves lives and like brings sanity. And like, so if you're a creator, if you're someone who just enjoys stuff, like this is the perfect time to remember that stuff changes people's lives. It matters and it, it helps you feel something. And if you can make someone else feel a way or you can read someone else's work and feel a different way, like that's the magic
0: of all of this. I agree, man. Well, I want to thank you for, uh, taking your time out during this crazy pandemic and, and, and wild time to, uh, to, to share your project with me. Uh, you are coming, it looks like, I mean, as far as, uh, what I know off the the back of two successful Kickstarters so far currently, uh, you know, currently you have the inevitable, excuse me, you have the inevitables going on on Kickstarter. Like we said, it's got 15 more days, And you also were involved in, uh, wave blue worlds, maybe someday, uh, that Kickstarter was successful. So, I mean, it's, uh, seems to be like you're on a pretty good run.
1: Yeah. It's like, you know, it's weird that I get to be more productive and there's things I've been working on for a while that are starting to pay off, which is really cool. But Mm -hmm. that's again, you know, part of like being a freelancer or a writer or creative in general. Um, but it's nice fuel to like, not only be a distraction, but, uh, you know, maybe someday, for example, it's one of those things where like, it's a very personal story for me and it's only six pages, but like that means something. And it's going to be a physical, tangible thing because the Kickstarter was successful and, you know, eventually it's going to be in people's houses. You know, people are going to read that and they're going to feel the way I do when I read anthologies and stuff. So you know, there's this whole like full circle of awesomeness (laughs) that comics has been bringing (laughs) me during all this. So I I'm super
0: appreciative. Well, if you don't mind, please share with uh, listeners uh, where they can find you on social media, website, all that.
1: Sure. So my name on everything is John O'Diener, J O N O D I E N E R. And my site is Jono And I'm always posting, uh, drum videos on my Instagram, I am posting dumb jokes on my Twitter. And then my <laughs> site is just an ever evolving, look at all my projects and stuff, uh, platform. So John O'Dener on all the stuff.
0: Uh, for those listening, you will be able to see all those links in the show notes. Uh, I am hoping to get this out in the next couple of days. So, uh, I appreciate your time, man. It's so cool to get to talk to you I'm excited about the project. Uh, We'll share it as much as we can with as many folks as we can. And I'm sure you're excited. And uh, just thank you so much for your time. Hey, thank you for having me again. I really appreciate it. All right, guys. uh, Thanks for listening. That is it for this episode of Somewhere the Vulture.